Welcome, everyone, to the Couple Podcast with your hosts, Matt Sartrick and myself, Peter Fendera. This is a podcast where I tackle current health news and hot nursing topics, one conversation at a time. A little few words from ourselves. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for supporting us. Patreon is up and running. We got the vlogs going every week, couple of nurses every week, couple of news every week. Thank you for all the love you guys give us. Thank you for your comments. Make sure you guys subscribe to all those channels. We're still doing the 4x4 48 all our donations are going to go to the Fight for the Forgotten. If you guys want to donate to our cause, feel free to hop on our Instagram and hit the link. There's also going to be a link in the show notes and a link in the YouTube. And how's it going, Matthew? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here. I'm grateful. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll, we'd like to thank you for listening. This is episode 100. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for giving us the opportunity for us to be your hosts. We had an amazing time. So in this episode, we're going to talk about our experiences, podcasting, working full-time, trying to run a business. And of course, we're going to talk about dealing with drama in the workplace for part two of this episode. So it's been roughly 100 weeks that you guys spent your time with us. Even though this is episode 100, you guys know we have other episodes that we release. So technically, this is episode like Probably like 150, if you yeah, think about it, if you add up everything 130 together. 130-something, yeah. Yeah, because we have like 37 Cup of News, and this is 100th episode of Cup of Nurses, and we have a bunch of Patreon stuff that we do. So we easily have combined like 150 episodes, if not more. We've been busy, like just producing this content, recording, for finding time for it. It's been, it's been exhausting, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, I'm enjoying it, but it's been rough, man. We've, we've had some like moments of just like, whoa, man. It's like we feel like we're in it literally like... The business is taking over. We're just trying to go through the motions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm not sure how much of you have watched episode number one that kind of we gave a little bit of detail about ourselves. So in episode 100, we thought we'd give you guys a little bit of refresher because episode 100 was what, over a year ago, right? Two, it's about to give me two years in mm-hmm. April. It's been a long time. So you guys probably, you know, don't know us as well as you, you thought. And we'll give you a little bit of a intro to ourselves. Uh, we'll go a little bit more in depth than episode number one because the highest, the highest change. We've definitely grown up a lot. Our hair got longer. We got facial hair now for all our, our YouTube um, viewers out there. And for people that aren't on YouTube, you should definitely hop on there. But, you know, me and Matt, we've known each other for years since like the second grade. I still remember the first time that we met, uh, Matt gave me some music to listen to and I gave Matt a video game. He gave that me like exchange. a Yeah, he gave me like a album, like a music album, like the old school ones where it was like a, like a pouch with a zipper and you had like 12 CDs there. So Matt gave me some CDs and I was like, hey, Matt. I got this new new game, Age of Empires. Oh, man. I brought it to school. I was showing all the boys, like, damn, what kind of game is this? You know, it's a, it's a war game. You know, it, you it was like conquer. gold version too, man. Dude, it was a gold version. You, you're like conquer. It was like one of the first. Um, what would they be called? It's called a strategy game, right? It's a strategy game. Like mm-hmm. I always loved like tactics and like you have to build your own civilization, your own military, and try to like conquer a different civilization mm-hmm. on that map, man. It was good. Yeah, and that game was groundbreaking. Like, that was it wasn't the the, the first release of, of that genre, but. It was uh, every time Age of Empires came out, it was always groundbreaking. That was like, that was that's like the Call of Duty back in the day. Yeah, and that that's elementary school. We kicked it off, and you know, you moved somewhere out of uh, out of state, out of the city, and I was still there. And we've communicated here and there. Of course, we didn't have no cars, so we always just kind of like had our parents drop us off or something for the meantime. Uh, that was fun. And then when we turned like what, like seventeen, we started writing blog posts, right? No, we were more than seventeen. Eighteen, maybe. We started writing blog posts. This was. This was in college. You started writing blog posts. Okay. It wasn't so eight, that early. Dude. Okay. So 18, 18, 19. Probably, I think it was like 19 for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We started writing some blog posts and we didn't really have like a sense of direction of what it is, but we liked it. We liked writing to people. We liked 
thinking we have like an audience mm-hmm. that we like wrote to. I think my, I remember my first blog post it was like, you can do it. And it was like from a book that I read about like fighting resistance and how to overcome it. So I had a lot of fun, man. It was like a, we definitely treated it like a, like a, like a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was this, uh, I used to work with in, in Illinois, this nursing assistant that she used to always be the receptionist. Um, and she used to, let's, she used to read all our blog posts. She used to read them all the time. She's always like, you know, cause we used to share it on LinkedIn and stuff like that. And we used to just share them and she would always read them. Okay. And she, and she, she always, she always liked reading them. So that was, that was pretty cool. Like I would come into work and be like, oh, I really liked what you wrote. And I myself wouldn't even remember what I wrote. And she's like, and she'd tell me about it. I'm like, oh damn, yeah. It, was, it felt pretty good. But yeah, those blog posts were, were a nice introduction to, to working for yourself almost because even though we didn't have our own office, we would go to Starbucks and I would be, that, that's our designated work environment. That was, was the Starbucks. office. That was, we always, always show up in the morning. That was our work environment. You know, that was our office. Literally, that was our office. We'd go show up to Starbucks. We'd buy a coffee, write a few blog posts, take a break with those um, with those Starbucks lollipop cake, cake pops, things. man. The cake, cake pops, pops, bro. That, w- that was our reward. If we did a, a good portion of work, that was our reward. And after that, we would do... You know, work on work on some more things. So we had that's that was pretty cool. And we were at Starbucks from what, like six, seven hours at a time. You know, imagine. Yeah, we're I think we're missing. I feel like, I feel like for us to be a little bit more efficient, we need we need one environment devoted to to work. That's why office environments are are so efficient. You know, compared to working from home, because us working from home here, we get distracted by a lot of things, and there's always so much to do. Yeah. Right. Compared to if you just go to office where you don't have all these distractions. It's like working from home. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's hard for some people that don't yeah. have that, like able to establish that like structure, right? In a way. Yeah. Even in nursing school, when I used to study, I rarely studied at home. Only time I studied at home is if there was like a giant blizzard or I, I couldn't leave, leave the house. I would always go to the library, to, to my university or to Starbucks because I associated the outside environment from my home with work that needs to be done. And, and I like that. And even when we were uh, first starting couple nurses, I would s- still do majority of my couple nurses work at Starbucks at a library Damn. because I just got, because I'm a little bit like borderline ADHD, I feel like. And if I'm at home and you know, those times where, you know, you know, you have to do something and you know, it has, has to be done, but you don't really feel like doing it. It's though it's those tasks that get put to the side when you're at home because Always. you're like, you're like, I, I know I have to do this, but I don't really feel like doing this. So I'm going to do this because I have to do this as well. And in my mind, I enjoy doing this a little bit more. Someone do this, and you always put that. So you're prioritizing things that maybe cause you the least amount of pain in a way. So like you know, yeah. So you know how there's those those um, philosophers. One of them is their theory is we always choose the option with the most happiness involved. So you know, yeah. if if you have like a choice to do, let's say for example to script the blog, script the show notes episode, or let's say clean up. Uh, the kitchen, you know, and you're really not, you know, you don't really feel like scripting today. And those two aren't the most enjoyable things for you. But just because you don't feel like scripting today, you're you're gonna pick cleaning the kitchen over scripting. Yeah. Even though both have to get done, you're gonna do one first, and most of your energy is gonna be devoted to the first thing, and you're gonna slack on the second thing. You're gonna kind of slack on the scripting compared to if you did it first. And that's that's why you know these offices are. That's why working from home isn't always the best for everybody. That's why these offices are. You know. Are, are created so people could go there and that's just devoted to that less distraction. It's like maximizer productivity. Yeah, it's like yeah. people that say like, don't be on your phone before bed right. because you want to create that ritual of, hey, the bed is meant to sleep, mm. not to stay up and get stimulated yeah, in a way. Yeah. So, so that's why we like, and that's what we, we really missed. And I feel like when we were writing blog posts, we were super efficient, dude. Yeah. Because we just go to Starbucks and we just associate Starbucks with, with caffeine and work and that's it. 
That's literally what it was. We didn't really, we would take like little breaks to like hang out, chit chat, but it, we never really did that much. We would literally go to Starbucks for the whole, till they open, from the open till they close. How much yeah. times did we do that? Like we did twice a week and we just like hammer out things, hammer out things. And, yeah. and we, and society is going to miss that. It's going to be, it's going to reach a point where people seem to be more productive at home now, but it's going to develop over time. The same that happens, happened to me where you get caught up with these distractions. And then you, if you don't catch yourself in time, you're going to get, get caught up in that little snowball effect and to get worse and worse. And then you're going to have to break that by either one, having an environment devoted to just to work by either creating a room in your home that's an office or by physically leaving and going somewhere else. Yeah, so I like the productivity standpoint. Mm-hmm. I would also say it's about organization because going from writing blog posts to running a business, there's a lot more that, that there's to do now. And prioritizing back then was pretty simple. Okay, we got to write a blog post and publish it. There's a prioritization. Now it's like, okay, we have to record this, but also we have to leave for this trip. So what can we do in this, t- do in this time frame? Mm-hmm. And I feel like because we're, we somehow have... We have some like-minded personality traits, and one of them is lacking organization. And because organization is lacked so much, sometimes it's like, damn, we get like flooded with all these things to do, and we don't know what to do. We just kind of go with the, with the, like the flow of whatever has to get done, like just doing things, not necessarily prioritizing which ones are like you know the most important to get done. We're we're decent at, at planning. Like we're we're pretty good at looking at the overall picture of what has to be done, and we're good at. <laughs> Um, setting these little goals for ourselves, but we're missing the mark, like you said, with the organization where we set up a few things to do in, in that day and we tend to push those things off for something else. Yeah. Like we, like I feel like we set time aside for these things that we don't follow our own schedule. And that's what it's our organization is. Like we, we're good at creating a schedule. We're just not good at doing that, doing that schedule, following through. And that's also, I feel like for me and you, we're really good at giving advice, but sometimes we're really bad at following our own advice. Of course, That kind man. of falls into the, to that, to that same situation, you know? You know, because how many times have I like thought about the, the like there's a few times that I thought about the stuff that I've done and I'll, and I've been like, if this would have been someone else, I would have called him an idiot and I would have gave him better advice. But like when you flip it to yourself, you're just like, damn, how do, how, how does that happen? Yeah, how does it happen to your own self? Yeah, right. you're so damn smart. Right, but if you put somebody else in this situation, and you would be giving them advice, you tell them not to do that. But then you're the one that that, that is doing that, even though you would tell somebody else not yeah. to do it, you know? I, I think working full-time as a nurse, like starting this travel nursing uh, assignment these past few months, it's like been the greatest challenge of like just trying to balance everything. I mm-hmm. think it's been really pushed to the test. And for those that are wondering, it's hard to sell. It's hard to sell to work full-time. You know, we're going to talk about the pandemic. We did a little bit previous episode on 99. It's just like, yeah, it's like you get exhausted from work. And a lot of people come home and, you know, they plan going to the beach, reading a book, doing self-care stuff, things for themselves. And we just have like this task list of interviewing, editing episode. And it doesn't suck necessarily, but man, I wish we had more free time, right? Yeah. I wish we could free up our schedule somehow to to have like those little times of enjoyment in our day. Yeah, I I had those feelings before, but I feel like um, since we're traveling now, doing the vlog, that kind that sense of exploration, that kind of sense of doing something, it's it almost kind of faded away because I I just enjoyed our trip with the, with the vlog so much. Yeah, we're we're able to kind of even though we're recording nonstop there, the vlogs and every all this content, like I feel like we still had to get a break from something. You know what I'm saying? Like. Away during from our what vlogs, we're doing. right? During our vlogs, we don't really script much or record podcasts very often, or 
focus on like this computer work that I have to do with the, with the vlog. It's kind of like a like a, like a break from it, and I, I like those because then you come. I for the most part come back refreshed. If we have a have a good vlog and a, we're able to do like one or two things related to the business, it, that, that's a good trip, and you come back refreshed instead of like doing a vlog and then also recording an episode, also scripting. So what makes these vlogs hard sometimes is when we're behind with our day-to-day activities because then we have to catch up on the vlog. Yeah. And that just makes it that much worse because we have to film during the vlog. So we're not, I'm not saying that we're not 100% enjoying the moment. It's just, you know, sometimes we have to incorporate work with our us enjoying the views, things like that. Because yeah, it has to get, get done, to get done right? So we're not getting 100% experience of, of, of this journey because we want to provide some value for, for you guys. So we take a little bit of enjoyment out of ourselves to, to provide you a better experience if you guys ever decide to travel or want to visit these, these places, you know? Because it does feel a lot better just pulling up to the viewpoint and just sitting and just looking at the sky. Of course, but we yeah. can't do that. You know, we, we pull over, we tell people where we are, you know, and then it gets kind of delayed a little bit. And it's kind of cool because now when we go on trips and we don't have the camera out, it's like, whoa, you're able to take in so much more. Mm-hmm. You're just appreciating it because you're not like rushed or the GoPro doesn't have to come out. Something doesn't have to be recorded. Yeah. But it's got better over time, more efficient because in the, in the beginning, we used to always ask, ask our buddy Luke about about stuff. I mean, we still do, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I don't even know where I'm at and you got to remind me because we just do so much traveling and me and I have to think about so many parts that we want to talk about, think, things like that. But it's getting more efficient, I feel like. We're getting better at it. We're not thinking about it as much. It's almost, the prep work is slowly dying down. So we're becoming more efficient and we just bust the camera, say a few things. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know? We're doing more of that. Not just like everything's planned for what we're going to say you know yeah. it's not like we sit down in the, in the car rehearse what we're going to say and then do it you know yeah because it seems to be doing just more things out of the blue and it just seems to be working out now even if we podcast like we don't have like exactly word for word of what we're going to say because then it would just sound very scripty you know like mm-hmm. you say one sentence and i have to look back at my notes hey we got to say this part so people lose that connection with us you know like right. we're, we're flowing you know but we have a nice balance because we also have that research aspect of our of our episodes. Yeah. Where we do read straight from our phones or straight from our laptops because if this is a research-based article and we want to provide evidence-based research, it's not going to come really from us. We can't. Right. We want to read what the research study is actually showing and what it does. We want to, want to present to you the stuff that we found, right, in, in, in their lingo. So it's not as opinion-based. It's more research-based. And, and then also, like, if we have, like, something we want to seriously push, like, we need research. We just can't say, hey soybean oil is bad without giving you guys the data the percentages uh, or why it's actually happening you know right. we, we have to reinforce what we're saying right we're not gonna we're not people that say that say like hey uh peter why is soybean bad for you i'm not the person that's gonna say because that's what they were saying on the news you know i'm not the person that's gonna say it. it's like soybean oil is bad for you because it it you know releases these kind of you know catecholamines or or different different things I'll, I'll explain to you why i think soybean oil is bad and you can make your own decision yeah I'm, i don't say like just because this research study said it said it was it was bad for you so it's bad for you i'm gonna do some digging you know that's and that's the way we question things and find out yeah. but going back to a little timeline so just around that same time as we started kind of blogging for fun around 19 we also started off nursing school you know and we just we knocked out nursing school quick like I was a man on a mission. I didn't care about the college lifestyle, partying and, you know, dorming. Like, I did all that. Like, I was younger and I kind of partied. I did my drinking and all that fun stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that we were not going to chat about. So it's like from not, from 18 to 22, it was straight business. Mm-hmm. I worked part-time. Peter was working. And we're just like, we were chatting here and there, right, th- throughout the week. 
house school. We're still writing the blog post, and we just had this mission of finishing nursing school. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, and like, yeah, Matt was working at UPS full time. You were working there since like you were sixteen, right? Yeah, man, it's yeah. We got jobs when we were sixteen. I remember I first started working with my mom when I was like thirteen in the in the bakery, and then I was I worked with her randomly throughout throughout the years, and then I got my first job at a Polish deli when I was like sixteen. Or it was maybe a little bit before 16. They, I was actually under 16. It was like maybe six months before my birthday where I got the job. So I was like 15 and, and something. But they just said I was 16. So then I did that for a little bit. Then I got another job at another deli, dude. And yeah, we've literally been working since we were like able to work. It's it's just work ethic, man. Mm -hmm. And it's like the way I see it too is like what I always tell myself, even if I go on these runs, right? That we as humans, we can't escape from pain. It's either you have pain from doing something that's going to make you better, but it's going to suck in that moment. Or you're going to have pain from not doing the thing and suffering from, I, I could have, should have, would have. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's only two pains from choose from. So you, you either do it or you don't. It's but you're going to suffer either right. way. It's uncomfortable either way. The thing people don't realize that you're, the uncomfortableness that you get from regret lasts a lot longer than an uncomfortableness that you get in the moment. Yes. You know, like for example, you know, let's say uh, you want to talk to a girl and, you know, you're shy or whatever and you just you decide to talk to her, right? It's uncomfortable, right? You're going to be a little, little shy, you're going to be a little nervous, anxious, okay, but then you get over with. Yep. Compared to you don't talk to her and then you're in a shower four hours later, you're like, damn, I should talk to her. You're in a shower a week later, oh, she would talk to her. I wonder if she, she would have been cool, you know? And then that lingers and lingers and lingers and some people just don't know how to get get over it. So you're if you're one of those people that drown in regret, just start taking more action and doing yeah. things more right off the bat you know it's it sounds easy as fuck when i when i say it you know but i suffered through, uh, with it too so do you like you know there's been there's sometimes you just wake up and you're just like damn i wish i would have done this last year you know and you're just like where's that coming from but it's the past and you have to learn how to move on or if it's hard for you to move on from things and just tackle them head first yeah at that, that moment yeah that or just like know that feeling and just so you don't experience it again mm -hmm. that that regret or that yeah that should have could have what or should have done that and it happens so many times with like anything, whether it's trying new things or I don't not even food, like even like, you know, let's just say you're you're at a theme park and you skipped out on that roller coaster. Now you're like, shit, I should have just went to go do it. It wasn't that bad. Mm. Skydiving's one of them. Just like I mentioned, girls, like you got nothing to lose, man. Mm. How many times have I like approached a girl and maybe let's just say got rejected and it is what it is? But you know what? At least I know. And now I'm at peace of, oh hey, you know, she just wasn't into me or it's just her. Instead of me like thinking, damn, dude, every single day, like, ah, what, what if something could happen with that girl? Well, mm -hmm. I, I deleted all those like um, shoulda, coulda, wouldas because I went up there and approached her. Right. You get denied and you forget about it. Just like that. That's all it is, you know, man. Compared to the regret that you get lingering. It's a, Yeah. It's just like teaching yourself the whole failure thing and the success thing. And yeah, man, we just have crazy work ethic. And that's why like, you know... After nursing school, we started the whole podcast thing. That's our transition from the blog post that we're going to talk about. But it's like we have this crazy work ethic and no one can take that away from us mm -hmm. because of like the way we were raised. Right. And that's like another little bio thing that we're both from this hardworking Polish culture. We're just these Polish people, just all they did is just worked hard and saved. That's all they knew. Right. Because times are tough. World War Two and everything else. And we we kind of have the same values. Right. We're the product of our environment. We just know how to freaking hustle and save money. And, you know, we figured out the self-awareness part. And now we're just kind of doing what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the main thing that our parents built into us is, well, from a financial aspect is basically start working as as soon as you can because you're going to be working forever. 
So you should start saving up now. Yeah. So you can cut that working forever by a little bit. You know, that's kind of how it is. And and like they say, you know, you don't want to work forever. They want to save up because they don't want to work forever. But, you know, they're still grinding it out day in and day out. Yeah. You know, there's like no stopping it. It's, and you just get into that, that, that habit of just nonstop working, working, working. Because, you know, the parents came from Poland. So they weren't always fortunate enough to have these kind of jobs. And their jobs in Poland were, you know, a lot worse and not as, not as um, you could say, you don't get as much success from it or financial value as they do with the jobs right now. You know, because imagine our parents yeah. in Poland, they probably wouldn't be making as much money as they do here working yeah. on the farm. And it's, you know, and they still just came here and they're still kind of like not going by, but they're maybe working a job they don't like. Mm. But it's that feeling that they came here and gave you this wonderful ability to do whatever you can with your life. And that's like that forever... I'm not forever like like in debt to them, but I'm just forever grateful where if I do things, I'll give it back to them, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's money or whatever I do with my life because it's, yeah. it's awesome that we have this ability, you know. Yeah. And, you know, around that time where, you know, we kind of finished nursing school and what were like 21, 20, when did we start the podcast? We started two years ago. So, yeah, we finished nursing school. We're still kind of writing blog posts and we're trying to figure out like, you know, how can we kind of take this off the ground? What can we do better? Because we're kind of writing to a dead crowd, I would say. Like, we didn't really have an audience or with these blog posts. So we thought about, hey, how can we niche down? How can we reach more people? And, like, I was always about this impact, you know, like, I'm at work and I take care of two people. How can I impact more people? How can I build, uh, not like legacy, but how can I, like, create a bigger impact once I, like, leave this earth? What, are, what am I going to be remembered by, you know? Mm. And nursing is cool, but I could do this on a bigger ability, and I'm doing it exactly with this microphone because I have no idea whoever's listening. Like, you might be black, white, I don't know, in Africa, in Mexico right now listening, in Europe, like, wherever you are, like, first of all, thank you. And it's just like, yes, this is this ability that I have that could maybe condense this positive message and people could get impacted, right? So we went from writing the blog post and then we finally said hey let's start a podcast and that's when we started coming up with the logo and like things take time man even the way we say it like we say every single episode yeah hey, there's new updates coming out new updates are coming out and sometimes it takes months mm -hmm. and it's like yes it just takes that long sometimes you have no idea as an entrepreneur how much shit goes bad that goes you know the file gets corrupted that gets deleted we're missing we're missing like the external or we, we come up with an idea, we have to scratch the idea. It's like, it's a process, man. We're even like learning how to do do things. Like we have this idea on what we want done, but since we don't come from like a computer science background, we don't know what it takes. And we think it's something so simple to do. Yes. And then we're just like, damn, we gotta take all these steps just to do this. And that, that's where, that's how things are delayed. And that's like, that's, that's okay. We've learned to kind of accept it and, and work with it because we have such great ideas. But the, but the thing is, it usually takes us a lot longer to, to do them like to, to do them because we don't have any kind of experience on it. And plus we work full time. So if me and Matt, you know, figure out an, an idea before our shift and we're doing a three in a row, well, guess what? That idea is delayed three, four days. You got to you know? wait four days before you even could put any intention, action right. behind it. Yeah, because we do 12-hour shifts and we do nights. So there's no really time in between shifts. We just come from work, go to sleep, and then basically wake up and go hit the next shift and, and get that done as a, as a means to, to the end, you know? And yeah, so you, would you say you became a nurse because you wanted to have an impact on someone's life? Is that the reason why you became a nurse? I would say, yeah. yeah. I would say definitely like, you know, being smaller and getting my appendix taken out and seeing a little bit of the healthcare. 
I've always liked, just like I said before, health, science, like the whole nutrition thing. I loved eating. I love how the human body operates. Um, and if you look at nursing, like it's totally different than what you like went to school for, you know, like I'm a professional white butt, uh, butt wiper, right? Mm. <laughs> I really, at I really, times you feel, you have those shifts, dude, if you definitely have those shifts where all you feel like is you've been wiping ass. Yeah. And, you, and I, you know, like you're sitting at, at, like you think it's all over with the, you think the patient's already done taking a shit and you're sitting by your desk and you smell something bad. You're just like, God damn it. Yeah. Back or in or it's like, oh, let me lift the blank and there's mm. more poop. So yeah. did I necessarily go to school to be that nurse, you know, I, I did it for the right reasons, you know, I still have those same intentions, but in a different way, it's mm -hmm. like life is evolving. So you're evolving with it. You have the, you have the same intentions and values of helping and making an impact, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in that career mm -hmm. or that specific unit. It could be different and we're evolving, whether it's from a unit, whether it's travel nursing right now, right? We're just evolving, whether it's going to be just this podcast. I have the same intentions. I'm just kind of flowing a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. that, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. How about you? Regarding nursing or regarding the podcast? Just why you went into it, you know? Oh, like, did, you do, did you do it for that? You know, like I, that's why we got into the subject of poop is like, my intention was to just help people. You know, I'm a professional white pipe, white, butt wiper, but you know, I still have the same values and it just kept molding me to like who I am kind of. Yeah. So with, with, with me nursing, pretty similar, uh, similar reasoning. And I feel like this, this is going to be very similar for all nurses is, is you want to make a change on someone, on someone's life, have some kind of an impact. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, not necessarily legacy or, or anything like that. I just, I just like the fact of, giving people advice and like they're them bettering themselves you know i just like mm -hmm. seeing people 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 like improve their lives not necessarily because of what i did or or whatever not necessarily giving credit to me or whatever or anything like that but i just like being the person for people to seek guidance to or just ask questions and i and i have the answers i like being that person with, with the answers and with the solution you know not necessarily like a building a legacy or anything i just like to be there and have somebody better their lives in one way or another like thanks to kind of my help you from one say, conversation you know. let's just say yeah yeah it's so like that so like it was, it was cool because like I, I got to do that in a hospital and then when i used to live in lockport uh, i used to go to a gym with a bunch of older people and you know, we always have a conversation you know and that was cool because it was like older people and it was like a younger crowd it was either high school kids or older people in like their 50s 60s that kind of age group and it wasn't really nobody in between and I was the only really one that was in my twenties. Okay. So I was literally me and like maybe one other other girl that was that were in her twenties. Everyone else was either below the age of twenty or above the age of like forty five, which is interesting. And, and I'm like slap dab in the middle. So I would have people that are younger than me like ask me for for, for advice on my technique on lifting and like what what do I do and all that. And there was other people in in like their fifties, sixties also see guidance for me based on from like a medical standpoint. So I felt fucking amazing going to the gym because I always got a good workout in and people would always always ask for opinions about this, ask for opinions on like that. Because like this young muscular dude. Yeah, and it was, it was cool. And even the older people would, you know, they would ask these random questions and I'll be able to answer them for them, you know, if, regarding stocks or, or, or finances or like what I'm doing or how am I incorporating this or or how am I able to work out, work full time, work on a blog, you know, things like that. Or they, they'll talk about their businesses with me and like they will kind of try to get my viewpoint on things to better their business, yeah. like, like things like that. And I, also, I would also get a lot of guidance from them in more of like a morality standpoint, like, cause they've been through life longer than me. So they would seek guidance at what's really important. They would show me the benefit of, of long-term happiness compared to short-term happiness. 
So like, I can't even think of an example right now, but we'd have a conversation and I'll be like, why are you taking it this way? Think about it in, in the long run. Wouldn't you be yeah. happier doing this? And I'd be like, yeah, you're, you're completely right. But sometimes when you're in like your younger 20s, you, you're able, you don't see you're able to see the big picture all, always. And they show you the big picture. So it was, it was an awesome environment, dude. I also like the fact that like, when it comes to making an impact and why we're kind of doing things. So there's so many people that are like, in a war with themselves and fighting themselves, meaning they're still figuring themselves out. And you could give that little piece of advice and it can make such a difference because you've went through this, right? So it's like, I feel like in life, there's like this phase where you're a child, you become, you become a little bit of aware, and now you have to figure yourself out. Once you figure out your inner demons, your inner game, then you could look, look outward and build things, right? And some people are just stuck in that phase of just trying to figure themselves out their whole life, whether it's addiction, struggling with things like, you know, dropping out or losing their, you know, home. And they're, they're always in this little ruckus with themselves. Mm -hmm. So imagine just giving that advice and helping them get through that. I mm -hmm. think that's like, that's gold. Yeah. That means a lot. Yeah, like it takes, it takes a lot of like self-reflection, like self-realization when like a 40 or 50 year old comes up to you and just like, damn, like. You just give me really good advice, and I'm I was like 21, and and someone that's in our 50s tell me that hey, I wish I would have heard this sooner. I'm like, damn, like you're 50 year old, you're, you're old, you're years old, and you're just hearing this, and I'm 21, it kind of already got figured out. I'm not saying I have everything figured out by no means, do I have everything anything figured out, but but the the key thing is it's just like conversation and and, and discussion, and just people might be at a different age, but they all go through different experiences, you know. So something you might take for granted. Uh, like there's people out there that just take organization for granted. Like they're organized no matter what. And it's just like a, it's just something that they do yeah. out of, out of nowhere. Like for me and you, we got to really focus to stay organized. Yeah. We need, to, we need intent. Right. Compared to like going to a gym, going to a gym is nothing for us. We could, we could go to rent, someone could drop us off at a random gym and we'll get a workout right there. We could yeah. work out with any kind of weights, anything. We have a, that, that dial, dial down that if you drop us off at any gym, I could give you any kind of workout for any kind of muscle basically. Right. That's if you're looking at it from, from that standpoint. Compared to our organization where we lack on, it take us a little bit longer to yeah, piece to of kind paper, of piece of, write right. this down. We gotta figure out how are we gonna get organized, what does it take to get organized? We're gonna like look up some steps on Google, you know, compared to somebody that's just, just that it's just like clockwork, you know, and that takes time. See, that's what I mean. We're all we might both be nurses, we all might all be nurses, we all, all be in the same field. We might go into this field with the same like same interest, but the way we're raised, the things that we do are completely different. Yeah, and that's what it comes to like you know, the whole entrepreneurship and like nursing that we're doing because you know your strengths and weaknesses. Sometimes you just have to add somebody in that like um, not doesn't correspond with that. That's the exact opposite, mm -hmm. correct? So for example, it's Peter, I, and then Luke, right? Luke is our guy that like video edits, does our vlogs, does everything, right? And in the background, he's the super organizational mm -hmm. dude. That's the exact opposite of us that like benefits us, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We do things differently our way. We benefit, you know, this business in a specific way. And then there's him that adds value and adds that organization. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, I'm losing my train of thought of where that, that that conversation was going. But it's just like you need balance for everything and, you know, for a team, for yourself. Like you, you could figure out your strengths, but sometimes you can't double down on your weaknesses. Yeah, sometimes you have to outsource them, whether that's in a relationship, whether that's in a business your personal life, right? Just like a nursing man, if you're if you're if you keep forgetting stuff, well, you're not gonna just pick up a shift and remember everything all of a sudden. Just take that piece of paper, write it down because that's your weakness. Hmm. So. Yeah, and then I mean the best key for self growth growth is to 
you know, consistently work on yourself and consistently change these flaws that you have. And me and Matt, are, we even though we outsource certain things for our business, that that's that's for the business, right? If you're if you don't have a business or don't think want to or don't want to open a business, the business is basically you, right? You got to promote self self growth, so you can't really outsource things like like Matt and I do for like organization things that we lack. Yeah. On. So if you want to attack an organization, you have to take steps to better your organization in general because at at the end, you know. If you're not organized, then no one's gonna be organized for you. You know what I'm saying? So it's true. But we talked a little bit about why we became nurses, basically for the same reason. You know, we have compassion. We like having an impact on someone's lives. So, but like the, the podcast is, is really cool because, um, like with the podcast, like I like to, I like to hear, even though this is a podcast and we're the ones talking, I enjoy seeing different opinions. I enjoy when people tell me a completely different view than, than, than like what I have. Yeah. That's why when me and Matt were younger, I remember when we first started digging into different religions. We were born Catholic, we were raised, we were raised Catholic. That's all we knew it was, was Catholicism up until like the age of like, I don't know, 15, 16, when we started to look at different religions. And that was the first time my brain was opened up to different viewpoints that I personally was able to, to understand that they are are not wrong and you didn't judge them and you didn't judge like, them. like normal yeah. normal behavior right that, that was the first time younger. I, that's almost when i became open-minded was when looking up different religions because we realized that hey you know because there's different groups of of sects in each religion like there's like let's say catholicism there's people that are catholic they're considered catholic and they're in africa just causing havoc and destruction you know they're catholics but they're they're like um, you know how there's the right side of people and then there's the white supremacy? Yes. What, what is that called? They're like far leaning to the right. What is the name of that? I, f- I forgot. They're what not it. polar opposites. They're, they're whatever. They're like very polarized groups that even though they're in a good organization, that's a good umbrella term, they're just that part of the organization that's bad. Extremists? Extremists. They're, okay. they're always, there's always extremists, right? There's like extremists in the Middle East that people that are Muslim. They're Muslim extremists. Those are probably the most common ones that you probably heard a lot because of 9-11. Yeah. But there's also Catholic extremists. There's Christian extremists. There's Buddhist extremists that harm people, that do more harm, harm really good. And we realized that when we were younger, but the fact that the thing I'm trying to, point I'm trying to make is, is opening myself up to different religions. I opened myself up to a world that just because somebody thinks differently than I do, believes in different things than I do, does not make him necessarily bad yeah. or does not make him incorrect. Yeah, right? because or they're not wrong. They're know? not wrong. Because before that, we went to Catholic school. Everyone was Polish. Everyone was Catholic because of Catholic school. I went, we went to schools, majority Catholic, right? Majority yeah. white and, and Catholic. Your, yours are different because you were in... Like in, in Chicago, Chicago, yeah, but everyone was still pretty much Catholic. Like you know, that was still the majority. So all you seen and all you think you grew grew up with Catholic, Polish school, everyone was Catholic, you know. And then there was those times where like you know somebody would ring your doorbell and your parents would be like, don't don't open that door because they're probably trying to convert you to to a different religion. Yeah. And it almost like they would scare you, you know, because you you were you were built. We were almost built as kids, built on fear of others' beliefs. Yeah. Like other people's beliefs that aren't the same as yours were there to poison you almost. It's it's the whole culture, uh, cancer culture thing, dude. It's like there's like this one viewpoint of thinking that's right. And even with religion, is there's like this weird norm that you can't discuss a different perspective, right? It's not it's not favored. Mm. It's it's something you shouldn't be talking about because that's it. That's the truth. That oh, he's Muslim? Oh, he's going to hell. Mm. 
he's yeah, I mean, he has to be believing in Jesus. It's like this weird man dilemma. And it's like people just don't see it that I feel like what we agreed on is that just culture, I mean culture, religion is just this form of control. Mm. And this it just divides us further and further in this in this system where we are really all one. I, I think I think it's time for us to see it, man. I thought we we're gonna see it during this pandemic and it didn't happen, man. There was a phase since around religion. Like after that, that phase of my life, um, I almost believed in that no religion is a, is a, is really correct. Where and then I was when I got older a little bit, I thought that religion has no benefit. Okay. But then as time goes on, I realized that religion, the thing about religion is not the book itself or the practices. It's it's a faith portion that that that's the key. The hope and all that. Yeah. yeah. So that portion of religion, like the the faith that fosters love not separation you know what i'm saying because there was because at some point in, in in my life for some reason i came to revelation where religion has no value it's all it's all the same nonsense and there's really no point of it everyone should just, just live their life accordingly be a good person yeah but then like i want to say it probably happened maybe like a year or two ago where instead of fully not believing in religion i realized that religion I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it too from an outside perspective. You have to kind of go inside it to realize the key benefit of it. And it's not the religion itself; it's what the the faith of it fosters. Yeah, you know, because if you believe in, because even because if you believe in Jesus or believe in any kind of of those, um, what it was not a, not pastor like disciples, messiahs, messiahs. If you believe in the messiahs and you truly believe in them, like you. Not necessarily believe in them, you believe in their word, right? Yeah. So in their, their word is usually love and, and kindness, things like that. And sometimes people need that in their lives to foster that within them. So some people need need religion to have them realize that, hey, this this faith leads to love. Love exists. Yeah, it's, it's like you need to open up your emotions mm-hmm. to your, your love, like in spirituality, talk about the energy centers, yeah. right? You need to open open that up to your energy to like feel it. And yeah, you're right. That's what religion does in a way. And then it also has that weird extreme that's why, like, if you compare, for example, Catholics to Christians, right? Catholics, they're very, like, by the book with the specific commandments of things to do. And if you don't do them or if you don't um, go to confession, X, Y, and Z happens. But then you have Christianity, which is, um, there's different forms, of course, right? And we're going very broad here, which is, like, just believing in the Bible. They don't uh, not often go to confession. And they have, like, this more opening spiritual sense of christianity to mm-hmm. them right compared to catholicism mm-hmm. so yeah i see what you're saying where they're like there's like those two extremes and why you like need them mm-hmm. yeah but yeah i'm too i'm telling there's a time where where i i thought religion literally had no benefit that's probably going through some dark times or yeah, some yeah, shit but faces man but you know yeah but then like you realize that how beneficial religion is because some people that's all they need in their life is just that religion and that's what that's what holds them onto life you know, that's what guides them through life. And that's completely okay. That, that's why I was just being biased. Yeah. Because the way I, I saw things, I thought I was reaching that, that point where where I was being so open-minded. I was, it was, it was turning almost into a negative. It kind of got flipped at one point. I was really open-minded. And then for some reason, it like, like flipped to, I'm so open-minded that I know about everything about, about these things where my, my ways do the right way. Because I'm open-minded, yeah, kind of, so kind of stuff. A lot of ego. You, know? you took that and ego since, spin. Yeah, and it. since I'm open-minded, my opinion is the best because I'm open-minded, and you're not open-minded yet. That kind of shit. Oh, like, see how to flip. I'm the bigger person here. Yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 
That's that, that happens to everything. There's always an extreme. If, you, that's what happens to open mindedness. Like you think of open mindedness, you don't think of you know conflict. You don't think of you know trying to convince somebody of your opinions. You think of just kind of free thought. Interesting. Yeah, be care be careful with your ego, right? You you always need an ego check with anything, man. So, what's in store for a couple of nurses? If you're wondering, I think there's a pretty good bio, man. Episode 100. By the way, it's been flowing. Uh, geez, man, we're working on a lot of things for those that are wondering, as always. But we're finally, I think, as when this episode is out, our store should be officially out, correct? So, cup of nurses dot shop should have a bunch of cool things out there for you to purchase. We're gonna be wearing most of the gear out for um for the race, right? So that's gonna be pretty cool. So yeah, we're working on this whole little challenge of the race, and it's you know part fundraiser, part for ourselves of just getting a challenge done that we probably think that we could never get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's cool. We're working on, you know, Frontline Warriors, which is something that we're starting up. So we're trying, what are we trying to do? We're trying to help nurses become more conscious in a way, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, we're, That's our big motto there. Right. It's big on consciousness, big on like self-reflection, big on being the person you want to be, basically, because we have this drive within us to 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 be ourselves, Right. And then we get this influence from the outside world, right? How many times did you have a thought in your head and then you went out there in society and that, and that thought changed? Yeah. Or you not stopped because, yourself from doing it because right. of the opinions of others. Right. Not because you thought about it that way, not because you wanted to stop, it's because these outside influences had you stop. And then that could lead to, you know, like we said before, regret, things like yeah. that. So we just want to, you know, promote a life for you basically right it's basically what it is we want you to live live your own life without taking as much external stimulus to heart yes right because we have so so much social media a lot of things that i do get impacted by social media and then i'm just like like you think about it you're just like why did i do that did i do that for myself or did i do that because of of societal pressures you know that's that's not really me you know and then you, you but the thing is like it's okay don't don't dwell on it don't regret that you, that you did it that's just something that's like actually that you, that you took and then you move forward and you grow from there. Yeah. Because we're, I mean, we're 26 years old. Matt's turning 27. You're almost through 30, dog. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still young. Close. Nah, I'm just joking. We haven't even peaked yet, guys. So imagine what's going to happen during this podcast peak season, dude. But what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah. So the thing is, we talked a little, a little bit before about growth, hitting your prime, things like that. Like life is always going to be a learning lesson. Always. Like our grandparents are even learning. Yep. You know, that, that's the thing. Like you, we seek this this knowledge and this wisdom from older people, but they also seek it from you. Because guess what? Because they have this knowledge, this wisdom of, of longevity, of perseverance, of sustainability, of survival. But they seek something from us because we are, because we are literally a vision of their younger selves. They, they seek youth from us. As much as we seek wisdom from them, it's a very good point. That's why. That's why people always say. People always say, "If I was your age, this. So if I was your it's age, like they're that, living through you. They're almost living through you." And you notice that. I noticed that especially during during my workouts in Lockport. It was so interesting because, like, the way they they, they would talk, it's almost like when they talk to me compared to when they talk to their friends is a little bit different. Like a little bit of their youth came came back out. Like they were, they were able to it's an inner child. Yeah, like when they, I know a lot of times when they would talk to like their friends that were the same age in their fifties, they would kind of f- like tell a story, 
and then kind of cut it short because they would forget or miss some points. But when they would talk to me, it's something like in their brain was triggered and they're able to tell a story better or they're able to tell you a story so you could kind of try and relive it. Like, like they're trying to have you feel what they felt when they were your age. That's pretty, that's it's very, very cool. interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool. And they're, it fit like their brain worked better when they talked to me. Because I, I was noticing that before because they were, I'll be in a, we're all being a steamer, like, like eight dudes deep. And, you know, and everyone, it's always the same eight, eight dudes deep, always, you know, giving, giving shit to each other about, you know, Joe, I heard, I heard, heard this happen, you know, how'd your wife feel about it? Like always giving each other shit. Right. And then they would tell each other stories and they would kind of, kind of lose their train of thought or they would be like, oh, you know, you know, you know how it was, things like that. But when they told me, it's almost like I got more details in it. And yeah. it, it's probably because they got excited. Because they're, they're sharing something from, from their past, from their youth with me that I haven't got, got to experience because of the giant generational gap. Damn. There's always so much to notice. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the whole, the conscious movement. So yeah, not only is it being conscious as a person, but it's also being conscious in general for any frontliner. One example is a nurse. You know, how do you become more conscious? How do you say no to not picking up shifts or getting overtime? Or how do you you know, notice yourself when you're going through burnout and how do you unplug from work? How do you do all this? You know, whether it's through yoga, meditation, journaling, talking to somebody like we want to create this movement, start this, this group of people that are, we're, we're conscious and we could do anything with that conscious ability. Once we put our, you know, we set our mind to it. And one of those things that we would love to tackle is the work environment in the hospital. It's ridiculous, whether it's, nurse patient ratios or anything else like we need that positive change and i feel like once we have nurses that first come together to become more conscious then we could have these nurses and be like wow you know what work is affecting me a lot more than i thought mm -hmm. now we have this group of nurses that we could actually go make an impact in the society mm -hmm. and that'd be dope and that could that could be with any frontline not only nurses whether it's cops or emts you know you do the world is infinite, the possibilities once we get the, you know, the ball rolling, I feel like. In nursing school, we had those teachers that, that's, that tell you, that try to prepare you to the actual nursing career itself. Because as we know, nursing school and being a nurse is, is pretty, pretty differential. We could both agree on that, right? Like, well, you thought nursing was going to be nursing school? A lot different than what it actually is, right? Yeah. But I never have I seen a teacher mention the toxicity or the poor nursing work environments that nurses create around themselves? Drama, which we're about to talk yeah. about next. Yeah, we're going to talk about the next. So, But maybe we had a day or two where we talked about bullying in a workplace because yeah. they're like required by like OSHA law or whatever. But nobody ever, ever brought up or pointed out or discussed how the nurse work environment can be negative. I'm not saying it's negative all the time. I'm not saying every unit is, is toxic, is, is poor culture. But nowhere, at no point in time did a, a teacher or professor tell me, hey, you're going to be in some poor work environment. There's, there's some poor nursing culture out there. And this is how to get past it or just how to fix it. No, nothing, nobody teaches that at all. Yeah, there's no tools for that. No skills. And even if that's why it's so hard to change because nobody talks about it. It's like a low-key thing. Because... And I understand why it's a low-key thing, because guess what? How would you feel as a patient if you knew there was drama going on while you're getting taken care of? No, yeah, for There's sure. There's drama going on while your your aunt 
is being titrated with four drips and we're now adding another medication or sedation and there's drama going on in the background. How would you feel like that? that's the right. that's that hidden? Those are the those are the hidden problems of nursing. For sure. For sure. People don't yeah, things that people don't know about. This is healthcare, dude. If if you're if you put a career that deals with people's lives and you add the fact that there's drama going on outside of that and there's people clashing heads and people not being able to get along, that looks horrible. That looks horrible. Like people are gonna yeah. are gonna say, yeah, well you're too busy with your talking with with your coworkers and, and dealing with drama stuff so taking care of my aunt. Imagine if, if society knew how bad certain workplace cultures are. Yep. I could imagine. And it's the same thing with like with like schools, right? They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook, how to save money, how to do this, right? Mm-hmm. They don't. They just teach you how to be a consumerism society. Same way in a yeah. way, you know? That's they, true. It's like it's like a blind, blinded approach, you know? It's like, hey, come into the system, take a bunch of loans out. Because, you know, they teach these college students loans, loans, loans. You'll pay them off with this awesome job once you graduate. And that's not always necessarily the, you know. But that's the thing. with It's like, so where I've learned to balance a checkbook and how to write out checks was my parents. Yeah. So that's one of those things that... The state, the state can't teach you everything. Exactly. That's one of the things that, like you said, the state can't teach you everything. And we shouldn't put more pressure on that. Luckily, me and you know that what school doesn't teach you. And that's what we're going to be provide for our kids in the future. Yeah. Like, hey, I learned, didn't learn this in school. That's what we're going to do. Same with, with our parents teaching us what they knew. Right? They yeah. didn't go to the same school as we did. You know, we learned different things. But our parents still taught us the way they did things. Or the way they saw the world. Or the way they do things. Even though... It wasn't directly beneficial to to school at that point in time. It was beneficial to you longer, yeah. longer down down the road. So that's you can't you can't just as a society. Some people think that you drop your kid off in school and they're gonna learn everything they need need for their life. They're gonna come home. We're gonna hang out for a little bit. And we're going to eat dinner, do all this, and we're gonna go to sleep and re- rinse and repeat. That's not how how it works, especially if when you have kids. We don't we don't have kids, so we're kind of uh, blind to this. But in my perspective. Um, the right way to raise a kid, you know, you got to be involved with that kid. You got to teach him. It's it's a, it's it's work. It's hard oh, work. Yeah, it's a that, and that's when I when my parents asked me, "Hey, when are you gonna have kids? You're 26 years old. People are getting married." I'm just like, "Mom, Dad, like, if I have a kid now, how much time can I devote to this kid? What am I gonna? gonna I'm gonna right, need daycare. How how am I gonna raise him? Raise him, right? Yeah, I could probably, if for example, if I would have a kid right now with a female. Um, I hope so, dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you never know nowadays. I want to make this clear, you know? So if I would have a baby with a female uh, and she'd have a kid, I I mean, I would probably be the bread maker, not to be a dick, but I'm not going to give up my, my couple nurses and the business that, that, we, that we run. So unfortunately, my you know wife would have to take the burden of kind of putting her, her interest yeah. on, on hold. And if she, let's say she's a, let's just say she's a nurse because, you know, we're in the nursing field. So... Instead of, you know, working her three shifts, then going, you know, to do a hobby or something, she's going to sacrifice that. Yeah. And I understand I'm going to have to sacrifice some, some too, which would probably be cutting off from the gym. So I'll probably gain some weight just to kind of help out too. But she would have to take on majority of the responsibility. And I don't want to, I don't want to be that person, you know? Yeah. When, like when, when I have kids, I want to be financially stable where what my kid wants for the rest of their life is kids, whatever my kids want for the rest of their lives, they're going to be able to, to get I'm just gonna make them work for it, you know. Financially, I'm gonna be secure enough for them to get whatever whatever they want, but I'm not gonna give it to them. Yeah, work ethic, of course. You know, 
and then I want like my future wife to also be able to enjoy her life. Like I understand that the first three or four years of the kid's life, you're going to spend the majority of time with, with that kid. But I want to be financially structured where, you know, she's still going to have time to, to do her own thing. And I'm going to have time to, to do my own thing because yeah. we're going to be pretty ma- well established. Ma- maintaining a no, sense it's, it's of a process. Like it's, my, my parents would love to have grandkids. Like would I love to have kids? I would love to have kids. But just, you know, as we, you know, get older, like we probably enjoy kids more and more unless you don't want to have kids. So if I get kids right now, would I? Yeah, if it was ideal. Yeah, why the fuck not? You know, but I'm not in an ideal situation, so I'm not going to put that burden on myself or on anybody else's life. Agreed. You know? Agreed. We're supposed to talk about consciousness here. We this went, is very conscious. Dude. We went on a t- topic with babies. This and is stuff. very conscious. Peter's baby coming soon, 2020, mm-hmm. 2030, maybe, man. Yeah, dude. Like 2026, if anything, dude. Nah, it's 2026, five years. I don't know if I would know somebody then five years. I don't know. I'm not going to bring it's that it's into it's the irrelevant. world. So. That's a very great summary of a bio of who we are. Anything you want to add on to Frontline Warriors, things that we're working on? Uh, things we're working on. So Patreon is still pushing. We're trying to do these live streams more consistently. Probably should live stream this, but it's okay. Um, so if you guys haven't been on Patreon yet, check it out. We have some cool clips. We're probably going to expand that maybe sometime in the future when we have some more time. Let's see what else we're doing. We're going to have some cool merch for that 4x4 at 48. So there's going to be like 12 different search con- shirt and clothing concepts that we're going to release. So it should be pretty cool. Uh, we also have some future collections that we're thinking about creating, but those are on hold for now just because we want to get the basis. Yep. The, the basics and, and the base of our of our store style niche. And it'll be cool because we're going to have an idea of having new collections every so often and have like time-sensitive stuff where it's only going to be available for the month. And of course, we're going to do stuff for the holidays. We should, at this point, we should uh, freaking make an announcement that Cup of Nurses is hiring jo- serious job inquiries because that... That's what we need. We need to buy time sometimes, you know what I'm yeah. saying? We're working a virtual assistant mm-hmm. to have one just so we could offload what we do and we have more time for everyone that's listening. Right. And so I'm tr- trying to figure out what we're going to do after our contract ends as well. We're not sure if we're going to go back to the city and then maybe do the f- vlog bi-weekly instead of weekly. We still have to figure it out because, you know, we're in the city. There's a little amount of stuff we could do. You know, it's a little bit, little bit different. We're definitely going to have a, a drastic drop in income. So it's going to be a little, little bit different. And, you know, we're more limited in Chicago compared to here. Oh, yeah. So we'll just see, we'll see where it takes us, you know. And it's not going to – and whatever we do, it's cool because because we're going to show you guys the travel nursing life and also the, the life we do once we're off contract, which is going to be pretty cool. We're not going to be off contract for very long because, you know, we're, we're chasing that bread, you know. But it's going to be cool to see. Yeah, it's and cool it's, see. it's good time for yourself to recoup even though we're chilling now. Mm-hmm. So because yeah. the one thing that I get from travel nurses is is they don't take breaks because it's so addicting where they're chasing that, that paycheck each time because you're making some some nice money and you keep making it, keep making it. You're just like, damn, I could stack up this money. And a lot of people, a lot of nurses, they do travel nursing, they buy a new car, they do travel nursing, and they pay it off with like six months to eight months, just like that, like it's a $40,000 car, and they just pay it off because, you know, they pick up the overtime, they get a nice contract. And what travel nursing is cool because you could take a travel nursing assignment that pays well but you can make it more of a leisure. You could flip it. You could make it a leisure where you just work the three, 36 hours and then rest of the time you're chilling. Yep. Or you could decide to take a, a you know, maybe you don't want to do 13 weeks, maybe you want like an eight-week contract where you do four shifts a week with a chance to pick up even more overtime. And that's, that eight weeks, you're just making money. You're on the grind, grind, grind. And then the next 13 weeks, a little bit of leisure, and then you don't have any kind of contracts for like a month. You could, yeah. A, yeah, dude. The world is your oyster. The only scary thing that I see with travel nursing is 
not a lot of nurses have 401ks. I was going to say Social Security gets impacted too because yeah. you're not getting money taken away as right. much. So as long as you're saving some money, putting it aside, not blowing it all, you're putting it aside for your your 50-year-old self, 60-year-old self, then you should be good. But the thing is, you guys like to shop and spend money. And if it's not getting taken away before you see it, a lot of you are not putting it away. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm the same way. I haven't been really putting anything into my 401k for travelers. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I have my 401k for my life yeah, job. You're, you're investing chilling. in different things, yeah, though, if you think about but it. But luckily, I have investment that, that I do with Robinhood, and that's kind of uh, long-term for the, for the most part, even though I do some short-term trading there, there too, but majority of it's long-term. And I made more just off doing that within a two-year time frame than I have in my 401k, my prior job. With with uh, with um. Because they, they double it or whatever. At, yep. if you work, but I'm not going to be there for a certain amount of time. So I'm not going to benefit off that, you know? Yeah, you, you can make money in different ways. And like if you're tr if you're thinking about travel nursing, you shouldn't, no one should be relying on 401k and their like retirement plan as the end all be all of income when they retire. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a couple properties, imagine how nice that is just to have that passive income rolling in when you're older. And just so you're not relying on Social Security and all that. If, but it's a higher risk, too. Of course, if. They'll even exist in these next years because right. look what's happening. But 401k is simple. If you guys have a chance to do a 401k, I highly recommend doing a 401k. It's just like money that's putting that's being put aside for you uh, without you ev even really seeing it. That's so easy to do. And compared to real estate, like, yeah, the real estate's going up, but there might be a time where for some reason your location just takes a hit. And guess what? That $300,000 house you bought 10 years ago is now worth 250k. Yeah. Or it's still just worth $300,000. And you put all, all this time and effort into it. And guess what? It didn't go up. And somebody's even, you didn't even break even. Plus, you had an interest and stuff. So it's not... Real estate is great if it works in your favor. It just takes time to pick a property. And it takes time to actually make money off it. Because, you know, you can't be that person that says, hey, this property is going to be worth twice as much in 10 years. And then year number five, you're scared because it dropped by, by 25%. And now you, now you sold it low because you got nervous. And then you look back at it, five years more passes by, you look back at it, damn, I wish I didn't sell. I would have made 10 times this. So it's, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. And plus, uh, putting real estate, it takes capital, right? Yeah, not you everyone can't just has, invest with 5K. Right? Not everybody has 10% to put down on, on a home or an apartment complex, you know? But that's kind of, you, you pay to play, right? You don't get a 401K without a job, right? You don't get a 401K without having income, right? You, you don't become a nurse money. without nursing school. Exactly, right? It, there's a means to an end. It's just like, how much are you willing to risk now? And kind of basically, yeah, how much are you willing to risk now compared to how much you're willing to risk later? That's the million-dollar question. How much are you willing to risk? See you guys in part number two. You ready for part number two? Maybe part number two. All right, guys, we're going to talk about drama in the workplace. Who's ready for that? So part two of episode 100, we're going to talk about drama in the workplace, but we're also going to talk about why drama occurs, so some phenomenons, reasons why, and then also we're going to talk about on steps and how to dial it down, and then also our own little experience of how we experienced drama and how we dealt with it. We should probably just tell, tell them what happened right off the dome. Let's go, right man. And, and like before that, it's like, it's interesting, like why we have drama in the workplace. Like it's so weird where we're in such a high stressful environment that's the least thing that we need because we understand the value of our coworkers. we understand how important they are when it's a critical situation how we need pressers priming tubing but yet we're like so prone to drama and getting sucked into it yeah. sometimes it's just the woman the female environment man i'm not gonna lie dude sometimes you you think about nursing and you're like you hear what what the girls talk about the conversation you're just like oh yeah no dude whatever 
talk about this or, or no dude would ever like care about this. It's just like like catty women, they're they're everywhere and it happens it happens to be in healthcare. And and they get off it, man. They mm-hmm. they get off it, they get this anger fuels their cortisol, whatever it is. They they get an a binge of energy from it. And they enjoy it. They believe do. it or not. They do. It's it's short term gain and then and then there's a lot of girls that do these things in, in spite, and then they regret it later on. They don't tell anybody, but internally, internally, they're like they're almost dying inside. Yep. They're like, Damn. fucked up. Now yeah. I gotta deal with this person looking mm-hmm. at me this way the whole time, type right. of thing, right? Yeah. So a little bit of background on what happened to us at work on a personal level is, so what got us technically, you could say, in trouble was I was taking a nap at work, and Matt posted it, it on his Instagram. Was it a couple nurses Instagram or both? Either or. I know, I know yeah. it was, yeah, a couple nurses. I'm pretty sure I reshared it. So it was on Instagram on all of our profiles. So, yeah, so I was taking a nap, which was completely okay. My patients were, were being watched. Everything was safe. You know, no big deal. And then later on, I sent Matt, or it's a different instance. I sent Matt a, a Plurex, a female catheter, a female external catheter with some eye drops. Attached, attached my eyes are dry. Yeah, because we wear contacts, right? So your eyes are always dry in the hospital. So I decided to be funny, you know, lighten the mood a little bit and attach the, the Plurex to the eye drops and send it over. And then we also posted that on Instagram as, as, as like a joke. Yeah, and the thing is that whoever was screenshotting this was screenshotting it through a 24-hour period. So meaning they hopped on our IG page, saw Peter sl- sleeping, screenshotted it two days later, saw the pure wick attached to the eye drops, took a p- picture of that as well. Mm. And so it's, you know, it didn't happen out of chance. It was just somebody that... With intention. With intention. Just didn't like something. And I guess where this really started is there's already drama between days and nights, right? There's already this little... Disconnect. Disconnect. They don't like each other. And then the manager, you know, was talking about days and nights. And that, you know, night shift's hardworking. And they have things to do as well. They're not just goofing off. And whoever just had that evidence of us just, you know, sleeping and me goofing off. And they, they decided to spread this information on the unit. Mm-hmm. So. And it went up to our manager. It went up to the CFO. Everybody got word of this. So the thing that, that she, she showed these people was me sleeping and us sending the eyedrop with the, with the Purik. And she basically said that, hey, Night Shift has time to sleep and Night Shift has time to goof around. What's going on? These, these two nurses are, are doing a bad job. And the thing about social media is there's no background to those those images, right? Yeah, there's no background. It's just, yeah. yeah. Like the Purik one, I don't even know why they got upset about the Purik one. It's funny. It, it's, it's a funny moment trying to lighten the mood. Like they could call it waste of hospital resources, but, you know, we waste a whole bunch of other shit and they waste a whole bunch of other shit too. You know what I'm saying? So that's not, that should be an issue. And if they want to argue, argue that, then I guess they would hold up in a court of law, but whatever. Um, that was just meant to be funny. And then the one with, with me taking a nap was, there's no, like I said, no background to it. So they don't know that we didn't have a break that night, right? Nobody's going to tell you that, hey, brain nurses are really rare at nights, right? We usually get like our little half an hour and that's it. Like before we got an hour break and, and a 15 and we had more breaks. Now there's days where we don't even take a 15 minute break. Nothing, just and, nonstop. Right. You don't get that from, from, a, from an image, from a, from a video. Like, yeah, if I'm trying to, you know, hurt someone's reputation, yeah, I would, I would do the same thing that, that she did, but that's totally a dick move, right? We don't complain about day shift. Like, I don't complain about someone not being done. I might complain to, to Matt, like, hey, day shift didn't do this or that. But I'm not going to go up to the manager and say, hey, this isn't being done, unless it's a consistent issue, yep. right? But if it's just, like, once in a while thing, you know, it happens. It's a 24-hour 24, 24 job. And if you're taking a nap, take a fucking nap, you know? As long as your patients are, are being watched, 
I don't care if you're, if you're taking a nap. Like, you're probably just tired. You don't know what I did prior to that nap. You don't yeah. know if, if what was going down. Maybe I was just super tired. Maybe I just came into work, did a, a, a bunch of shit, and I'm super exhausted. Maybe it's my third one in a row, and I'm super exhausted. And I'm like, hey, Matt, can you take a, watch my patient take a quick five-minute nap? Like, what's wrong with that? There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And we're still, patient safety's not compromised. I'm taking care of them. And it happens. You know, you're right. tired. I'm watching your patient. You got to use the restroom? Go ahead. Do you want to go heat up your food? Go ahead. I'm going to watch your patient. Right. It happens all the time. Yeah. That's it's just how it's how we survive, and it's nights too. Do you know how hard it is to stay up for for twelve hours throughout the whole night from seven p.m. to seven a.m. That's that's so shady. Like you tell me, you don't take naps on days. My ass, dude. It it was just a perfect piece of content in the perfect time, perfect situation, and we were created the the scapegoats. Mm. And it was, it's like the worst feeling of just getting a call from a manager, and you know he already left the voicemail. It's a big deal, and I guess like you know there was so much talk about it in those past two days. Mm. That we had to do something about it. So, you know, we didn't get fired, but we can't post on social media regarding work at all. So if you're wondering why we don't post stories at work or anything to do with the hospital, well, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> we can't maybe the next contract or something. Right now, it's better not to stir that pot. Right. And we had and that to nurse's intentions were probably to get us fired because we were talking about this a little bit and... We talk about a little bit about bullying and all that kind of stuff in like the workplace and 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 in nursing, and Matt Matt's political views and my political views are aren't always aligned with people on days or people in nursing in in general. <laughs> Just so, maybe the public in general, right? Know, yes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. For the most, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. And the thing is, we don't we haven't had any issues with this person that shares information. It kind of came out of nowhere. I maybe talked to her maybe once or once or twice. Didn't seem like she had any resentment toward me or anything like that. She seemed like a normal person, you know, just something that you, you know, have get report from and, and that's it. And then like she she does this and it's weird because you're like, what angle is she hitting us from? Is it just to drive the whole day shift night shift dilemma? Is right. it because she doesn't like us personally? Is it because she doesn't like us for our views? Like like what's the what's, what's the your motive? Yeah, what's your motive? Like we're all here, we're all working, like why do that? imagine the amount of energy you have to have to like screenshot this and like you must be thinking about it it's bad and then you have the audacity to blow it up all over the unit i'm really curious and maybe, share these photos and maybe stuff. i might ask her dude maybe if i see up like hey can i talk to you after your shift because like because i want to like why like i want to see your rationale for it yeah i'm i'm, I'm curious about that you know, but maybe it, i don't have a contract maybe like because this is this would i don't want to hit it from like a like um, not a controversial, but a confrontive standpoint. So I don't want her to get like scared and be like, "Hey, Peter was questioning me on this. I felt right. I felt like was he questioned because you know you could definitely pull one of those, especially because because I'm a dude. She could easily be like be like Peter was asking me these questions in like an angry manner. I'm be like, I wasn't asking you a question in an angry manner. I was just asking you in a normal tone. I'm trying to figure out well, what made you do this. And she could definitely flip it over yeah. like that. So yeah, and, and being aggressive. Imagine imagine if from sleeping. Sleeping, you know, getting caught taking a nap at work to being aggressive towards her for questioning her because she posted on me. And, and, and really it could take dilemma. it that way. Yeah. It could be that dilemma. And that's what I don't like is that every single unit you're going to work into is you're going to see the culture, you know. And normally what I'm used to, and this is what I told the manager, is if there's an issue, you want to take it on the same level of hierarchy, right? Uh, what is I forgot the leadership. Chain command? Yeah, well, yeah, the chain of command. It should be bottom, bottom, right? It should mm -hmm. be nurse to nurse. There's an issue, talk about it, ask the questions that we're going to talk about on the podcast. 
and hopefully you could resolve that issue. If you can't, you could take up to the chain, chain of command. If you posted those photos because we're lazy or if my rooms are dirty and I'm a bad nurse or something, tell me that. Mm. Tell me maybe I forgot something. Hey, Matt, your, your, your rooms have looked messy for the past couple of days. Okay, I'll work on it. Mm. Instead of just throwing you underneath the bus, taking it past the chain of command to the freaking manager at this point to the freaking chief nursing officer, right? And then we had to we had to deal with it and take it like that. It just if I was a staff, I would feel kind of backstabbed in a way. I'd feel like you know I did something wrong. Hell yeah, and, dude. and that's a bad culture to be in to be part of that like little I don't want to call it like little snitch behavior going around your back and manipulating things. I hate that. I hate it with a passion. Right. Yeah. Like you're like it's you're you're a part of us, but I guarantee you if it was your friend, you you wouldn't condone them. You wouldn't condone. Or if it was like a physician taking a nap, you wouldn't have, she wouldn't have posted shit. She wouldn't have shared anything. Yeah. If it was somebody from days taking a nap, she wouldn't have said anything. Or even if, if it, or even if it was someone a friend during nights, she'd probably be like, oh, she probably would laugh it off. But the fact that it was us, like, like why us? You barely, you barely even know us, dude. Yeah. It was probably easier to do that for her. I don't know what she was scheming. I'm kind of curious, dude. And, you know, the way things ended is we made an agreement that we had to write an email, which was sent to the whole unit. And it was just, you know, us apologizing, us, you know, stating that it was never our intention to upset days or night shift or mm -hmm. add on to the fire of the conflict. And we just want to have a cohesive work environment and work as an effective team, team during COVID. Yeah. We, and that's exactly the way we said it. And it's over we, with, hopefully. I'm sure people will still judge us. And there's probably some day nurses that they have this perspective of us where, you know, just some fake ass sleepers. Yeah. Fake ass night shift travelers that picked up a contract just, just to make some money. It's like, no, like we do a, we do a good job behind the business. Like, you know, shit happens. Yeah. Like every, every, every day before uh, day shift leaves, I say, Hey, is there anything you want me to catch up on? Is there anything that you left undone that you want me to take care of? And you know, a lot of them, a lot of times, you know, nurses say, say no. And then I see in the mar that, you know, there's something that's not done or in a work list. And I like it when nurses say like, hey, yeah, I didn't get time to do this. Can you do this? And I, I say, yeah. yeah. And, and I always tell them like it's mm -hmm. a 24-hour shift. Yeah. Like, it, like, don't be afraid to tell them what you, what you didn't do. Like, it, it happens. You get, you get busy. I'm not going to I'm not gonna be like, okay, well, I'll say it for you, for you tomorrow when you get back. Like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because it's obviously supposed to get done, you know? And the same yeah. way, like, don't look at me like I'm lazy because I'm telling you that, hey, I didn't get a chance to do this or I didn't, I didn't do that. Like, it's a 24-hour, like Matt said, 24-hour job. Sometimes things get prioritized over things, and we're human. Sometimes we, we forget. Plus, it's a COVID nineteen room. So let's say your your Lipitor is due at let's say five p.m. and you know pharmacy hasn't sent it up or whatever, and it's a COVID room and it just got there at like six forty five. That's fine. Don't go in the room. I'm gonna go in the room at like eight o'clock. I'll give it. I'll give it to him. It's not. A, it's not a big deal. It's Lipitor. Yeah. It's not like it's it's Midadrin, you know, or, or anything like that where it's more critical. Like I'll I'll do it for. It. It's not a big deal. You know, or hey, I forgot to restart the, the tube feeds at, at at noon. Can you make sure you start them? You know, things like that. Because you know, tube feeds, you forget. You pause them, you give medication, you flush it, and you leave the room. And like, damn, I forgot to restart the, the tube feeds. The tube feeds are the worst, man. I wish yeah. I had a remote controller for them. Right, and the little things like that. Like, it's okay if you don't get it. Or hey, tell me you didn't change change the dressing. There's the times where I changed the patient. I I flipped them. I took the dressing off. I'm like, damn, I don't have the dressing dressing in here. I just put them onto the side, and I, and I mean to go back in and, and put a new dressing on it. But sometimes you forget, or you get busy with somebody else. I'm like, hey, you know, I washed them up, open everything. I just forgot the dressing in there. You know, when you turn them, can you just put it? Sometimes it, it does suck because the patient's heavy, and nurse is gonna be like, 
like you, like you know you don't want to pass it on but it's already too late in in, in, in the in the night and you gotta right. sorry too late in the day and you still got a chart you don't want to pass it along you don't want to pass it off but somebody's just like yeah sorry I, I i couldn't do it you know yeah man i was just thinking like it's just nursing is not black and white and there's just those mm. situations you can't feel bad right it's a 24-hour shift but also like try to do your best you know don't like always push things on and you could tell what a nurse is sometimes lazy or things weren't done mm. or you could kind of catch them like stuttering in a way or they're just like unsure and yeah. it's, it's cool you know just just be honest with me you know you catch a nurse when they left something for you on purpose oh yeah for man. sure it's oh you always catch them you know they're always like you know yeah i was supposed to do this but then but then this and and that and so now can you do this you're just like mm, you you have to you have to wrap a story around it huh just, oh just, yeah instead of saying hey i didn't get a chance to do this i was busy can you do this for me so right. there's a story in, in the background and it's like lingering lingering it's guilty lingering. it's guilt yeah it's guilt yeah but don't get me wrong if, if a nurse says hey my other patient was was crashing we had to do this this and that you, you'll be able, you'll be able to tell because we've worked as a nurse for this long for four plus years that what story is is legit enough it's the to, intent behind it's it an, yeah so what story is actually legit and you didn't have time to do it versus a story that you give me to think that you're you're busy and yes. didn't have time to do it you know there's a difference we, we catch it all the time yep and it's your it's, it's just building your intuition into nursing so Speaking of drama, this is our little story that we dealt with, and all is well now. We don't really, we don't think about it at all. Like we come to work, we don't give a shit about what happened. We kind of just, and even the first day, we just kind of let, let went along with it. And that's the thing with drama is just letting go of what happened and just letting it be. We can't, we can't change it. We can't be scared of it. Just embrace who you are and know your true self, and just you know. Go with it and avoid it. If people want to call you names or for whatever happened, doesn't matter. Right. Learn to let go of that. And you might be wondering why people create drama in the workplace. So we're going to go over some points here about why it might be happening. Just so you can maybe realize about, realize those people that just love, love drama. So one of them is drama distracts you from focusing on your own life. So if you have something, something, someone to be mad about it'll disengage you from looking at yourself deeply so drama channels energy away from yourself and it focuses into the wrong things in a way mm. and the, and those are those people that just kind of like hate their own guts in a way if you notice yeah. they, they never have that own self-love right and it's just always in the workplace there's always something wrong there always those are the best people that could just always find a bad in a situation their mind is so toxic and they're view of themselves is so negative where they need to talk about external people, external relations just to not be thinking about themselves. Yep. That's what it is. That that talk and that drama and that gossip about these external environments, people suppresses their need to focus on, on, on themselves because that, that's the true problem. It's not that drama that's going on. Not what Cindy said to Billy, but the messed up, how messed up they are in the head. I don't want to say messed up, but how lacking they are just, of yeah the way they see head. themselves yeah yeah and i i don't know why but it, i don't know why it's so attractive to girls to always do this drama actually, actually i do know why i mean that we're gonna keep on going hitting these points bro let me make this real quick yeah. remember that book that i read that was about the female psyche and how females uh think and the thought processes okay the main the overarching theme of of that book was that women think predominantly in stories more women think in stories that's why drama is is so appealing to them because it's a stories 
it's a, not even a story, but it's a story that they could control little aspects of, right? Uh, because when girls talk drama, there's always that one fundamental truth, but then other things get added to it, and that's the drama, yeah. you know? So, like, like, I would say Matt's pants fell down during work, and I saw his boxers. A girl would be like, did you hear Matt's pants fell down? You saw his boxer, but then his dick his dick was there too, you know? <laughs> like adding on to it. Cause yeah. Because they, 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 they like the drama because they're, they're discussing it because it's the story of what happened, what happened to Matt, but then they're add on their little thing. Like, yeah. you know, this, you know, because this now, now it's like not only a story, but it's also my story, you yeah. know? And you know what's funny? It's also that story about like, for example, um, let's just make up a name. John. John mm-hmm. left work, right? No one knows where John went. Mm-hmm. But everybody's adding on stories of he went there. Yeah, he left. Oh, he took his COVID sick pay. And mm-hmm. it's just like, here's a story, you right. know? And and it's like, I feel like also people's lives are so boring and dull. So they like over-exaggerate these other stories because it gives them some kind of sense of that energy, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like they channel, they use an external someone or something to channel positive energy within themselves mm-hmm. in a way. It's It's like... Damn, that that's fucking shitty. Haha, ha, look at you. But that's making me feel better because I feel so shitty about mm-hmm. myself, kind yeah. of thing. Or yeah, true. That's like true. They they live their lives almost through those through that drama, through that conversation. Yes. Because at home they don't do shit. They don't go out. They don't do anything. They sit at home, and their their enjoyment is just drama. They get to talk about these these stories because their their life is is a boring story. So their exciting story is is that is the drama that goes on in America. It's like watching a TV. To watching soap opera, but at work. Yes. And you're, you're the actual soap opera, you know? That, that, that's what it is, man. Mm-hmm. And then also drama is fam- familiarity. So not everybody's childhood is the same. You've heard Peter and I's childhood. You know, some people grow up with dysfunctional families, dysfunctional homes where addiction and trauma is present. So this familiarity will create chaos. It will create unclear boundaries within yourself. And it will teach people... That, you know, engaging in this dysfunctional conflict is something normal. It's part of life. It's the way to live. So we are drawn to what we know best, right? It's like this nature versus nurture to think. So we don't know how to disengage in this kind of drama healthily. And we go into the work environment and we do the same thing. We just pick on these things. Right. So that that kind of makes sense where you might be dramatic due to your childhood experiences. Like the one reason why... I talk pretty loud, and you talk pretty loud too. And your dad talks loud. Oh man! And my mom, my mom talks loud. So that's where that shit comes from. It, that just shows you know. You, you just that's where that's something so small like that where you where you kind of look back like, you know, why am I so loud? Why do people always always tell me I'm screaming? Why do people always always? Tell I me I'm I laugh at it sometimes. Pete and I are having a conversation with Pete. Like I'm in Polish. I'm talk a little bit quieter, yeah. dude. Especially with the Pappers, mm-hmm. we're just like screaming. It's screaming because it's loud, and then we're screaming because we're just in the yeah. hall, and everybody looks at us. Yeah, like, yeah. We're like yelling at each other or yeah. something, right? So that, that just shows you, like, if you grow in in a in a home environment where people speak loudly, you're gonna speak speak loud too. Because if you're speaking softly, no one's gonna hear you talk when 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 they're talking, right? At when home, when your parents talk, you know, they, they they speak loud, especially if like parents argue a lot when you're younger. It's to get their attention, you gotta speak over them, right? So you, you learn to to speak loudly, not necessarily yell, but but speak louder. And, you know, my mom talks loud as fuck all the time, especially when she gets on a tangent, dude. It's just like, holy shit, especially when she's in a car. Like, when my mom's in a, in a car, dude, I realize she talks so loud, dude. 
And I imagine, and when her at a wedding, dude, holy shit. <laughs> and then your dad's the same thing. Like when I talk to your dad, when I come over, he's talking loudly too, dude. You know, bro, like and, people think he's angry or something. Yeah, yeah, and he's just yeah. talking. Yeah, this is how, how, how I talk, and that's just how you pick up on it. Because when you're you're a younger kid, your dad's voice hasn't really changed very much. He still talks the same same loudest level as he did, right? So yeah. as, a, as a kid, you had to talk louder because either a our parents didn't, our dads didn't hear us because they work in a, in a loud environment. So their hearing is poor to, to begin with, you know, and then they talk loud themselves. So you got to talk loud too, you know, and that's kind of how that develops. You don't notice it. It's right. subconscious, it's subconsciously taught. That shows you how, how, how in, ingrained kind of these, these traits are from a young age. Yes. And including drama mm -hmm. in this case. Yeah. Um, same thing with like these chemicals that are released during drama, they actually could be addicting. So these chemicals of anger actually feel addicting. Someone who, an individual who has a boring and dull life, they're going to seek these thrills of adrenaline, this rush. And if you're making somebody else angry, that's kind of fueling your adrenaline, right? So these endorphins that you get from anger actually could become addicting. Yeah. Just like a runner's high, just like anything else. So... Just like we talk about being subconscious, like, dude, we, you just pick up on that without even realizing mm -hmm. it. You're just getting angry. You love it. You know, in Spanish, they call it chisme. Sometimes I catch myself, too. It's like, you know, I'm bored, and I almost want to chime into something just to get that, like, little splurge, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, a little spoon. It, it, it's weird, man. It's like it just, it's like getting spoon-fed some ice cream mm -hmm. at work. It's like you're bored, and it's like, you know how, like, work is stressful, so you eat a piece of candy, and that just gives you this rush? Same thing with drama, bro. It's just like feeding a little bit of that that rush of that that booty, that bullshit. Yeah, it's I don't want to call it booty, like you know, like when kids grow up in like an environment where there's a lot of like toxicity, like a lot of anger and uh, in the family, a lot of like conflict, like that. That creates people that this is kind of going off of drama, but or kind of going away from drama. But I just want to give you guys this because I read it in a, in a book somewhere. Or I don't know how I figured this out, but. Basically, if you're raised in a, in a home that has conflict, that has a lot of anger, so people that kids that grow up with like, um, like where the the husband beats the wife, things like that, what is it, marital abuse, spousal yeah. abuse, things like that. So, as a young kid, you experience these super high peaks of these emotions, like anger, where it desensitizes you. Like kids that are from those homes, they get their sadness level is like. I don't know, you guys can't see this. Like a threshold? Their threshold is so much higher. Okay. You know, it's so much so much higher up. And they keep hitting these peaks. They keep hitting these peaks where in, in the future, your body gets, if this happens continuously, your body adapts to a higher level of anger threshold. So you're going to have anger issues in the future because your body's natural state is already being angry. Because oh. every day you, you came home to arguments. Every day you came home to your parents yelling. And you're always, and that builds fear as a kid, right? So that develops fear and that turns it into, into anger as a kid growing up. And you're always fearful of coming home because you know what, what's there. You're always scared of coming home because you know what, what's going to be there. Like, you know, hey, this is this is Tuesday. You know, let's say um, last Tuesday, this is like, this happens. This happens. Like, my parents always argue on Monday through Thursday because that's when they're always home at the same time. And that's why children avoid coming home because they know that at home, it's it's anger and their sadness because of their parents arguing and that and their their state of being isn't calm. It's already anger because when they're home from four p.m. to ten p.m., all they deal with is sadness and anger because everyone's arguing. That's a very good and point. that and that's their baseline. That's a new baseline. That's where their body has learned to live, and that's why you know people have 
uh, issues, explaining emotions, because if you're already on a heightened emotion level, it takes a lot more of that emotion for you to be able to express it. You get it? That's deep. And I'm saying, especially with love, if like kids don't get a lot of love when they're younger, their threshold, they're, they're living on a lower level of love, right? So they're not gonna know how to express it because they're already on a lower level. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, oh, you've got those people that are kind of hard to hug, hard to touch, right? Like they yeah. kind of don't know how to do it, right? Because they've never been experienced to that. Yeah, it's, it's like a new emotion. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel uncomfortable, right? right? Yeah. It's like you cringe to it. It's like, whoa, what is that feeling? Right. It's like, yeah, because you just had anger in your, mm -hmm. it's like it's like energy, right? We talk about energy. It's yeah. like you just had energy of anger the whole time. And you never changed your, um, not the, not the, your state of being. Right. right. It's hard to do because if you do it, if that's been your, your state of mind growing up, and you know you don't really as older you get the more control of your life you have right but when you're young you don't have a lot of control you gain control as you age right so you don't have much control as a kid those feelings that, that you have you don't even understand them you, you can't you're not a 15 year old kid and says and said hey i gotta meditate yeah. and work it's like, on myself. it's like the maslow it doesn't Maslow's, happen yeah. you, don't, you don't get the concept your, your body is just is just a, a physical being of itself that's working on chemicals and that's kind of where it sits on a chemical level right that's why it's so important that's why it's so important to look at people's childhood to see why they are the person that, that they are today. That's Pro where it stems from. Product of the environment. Because that's already programming, you know? Kind of work. That's why with the whole love thing, like let's say somebody isn't very affectionate, they might feel the feelings that, that you get. Let's just say you make out with a girl. They might have the same feeling of you making just, out just with a girl. Just kissing or tongue? Tongue. Okay, kissing. Like, <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of tongue action, you know? I was gonna say I'm kidding, but I yeah. said I'm kissing let's, instead let's of I'm you, kidding. You've had an amazing you know, childhood yeah, yeah, and your pers and your perspective of love is right where it's supposed to be, and you get those feelings with with making out with a girl. You get those feelings, but then somebody that has not experienced love, a hug could be the same, you know. A hug or a hug could be too overwhelming because they've they've never been hugged before. Yeah, you know, the hug is gonna be like, damn, I've never felt like this before, you know. That's and very, it becomes that's scary, and people don't know, don't know how to deal with that, and that's why when it's older, you know, it it takes time to. To be like, okay, it's okay to give random people hugs, or I mean, not so much now because of the whole COVID nineteen, but it's like it's okay to be hugged. Yeah. They've never been hugged before. They've never been, you know, touched before. So it's different for them. It's a whole. It's almost like a whole new experience, yeah. and they don't know how to how to um, take it. You know, they don't have. Yeah. They don't know the feeling because they haven't felt with it before. Very, very good point, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. I, I love this perspective, and that's why, like, I feel like you can change anything with your mind, right? Mm -hmm. But it just it depends what kind of human you are and what kind of level you are, right? Because if, you know, you're saying you have this trauma, let's just say you have this trauma of anger, I want to, or let's just say you're, you're anger, so you're depressed and you got to take like pills for it and stuff, right? So your childhood made you this kind of person, right? So you have this power right now that you could stop being angry, get off your antidepressants, you could change your whole life around, right? Mm -hmm. But people don't have enough, that energy, that focus, and that being that present to change that. Yeah. Therefore, you need those pharmaceuticals, right? But we really could do anything, man. I mean, but there's the people that, that really do need it. Yeah, of course. So you can also take a look, take a perspective on it because we, we're the ones that believe that almost everybody should be able to hop off antidepressants, those kind of things. It's if like it's, the placebo effect, yeah, right? The, like, the sugar pill. Right. For every point is like, if it's a mental issue, you're mentally, you should be almost mentally able to, to get over it, right? Like if it's an issue going on in your mind, you're the... You're like the head honcho in your mind. You should be able to kind of try and change it. But there is those aspects. Sometimes I look at like serotonin, dopamine, th things like that, almost like testosterone. Sometimes men lack testosterone yes. and, you know, they could change the diet out to, to promote it. They could go to the gym. They could do all these things to, to promote it and they could get it up higher. 
but they still can't get it to that normal point. So there are some people out there that really do need these, these medications. Yeah, and, right? and, and I agree with you. For example, somebody that has a car accident, traumatic brain injury, and their brain doesn't produce um, serotonin. So you have to get on a antidepressant for six years, whatever the case is, in order to help repre- replenish your serotonin receptors and for mm-hmm. them to start responding normally again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I agree, I agree to um, both perspectives. Yeah, yeah. And even like, like mentally, it's people with like childhood trauma, they still might need help too because like different thresholds are all different. And some people might be able to live an amazing life with like, I'm not sure what the threshold for like serotonin is or, or whatever. They might be able to live perfectly, life perfectly fine with a low serotonin amount and they'll be able to to live any life just like just like me and you. That's how their body works. That's how they how they accustomed to it. And they could be successful, do whatever they want. But there's some people that you know need a higher amount of serotonin or whatever or whatever these SSRIs do. Yeah. And they they're trying to do it, but they just they're almost there. And they might need need like a lower pres- prescription just to kind of get them over over that bump. Like those people are there too. Everyone's different. And you know, pharm- pharmacology is, is 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 good. And it's good that we have these standards for like cardiac disease where it's pressures but when you're doing dealing with them with the mind we definitely need more patient-centered doses yeah like precision medicine mm-hmm. in a way yeah uh the next thing for the car um the drama in the workplace so there's something called the car phenomenon and this is why there's possibly drama in the workplace as well as have you ever noticed when you're driving on a highway and even though the car accident's happening on the opposite side people in your lane still tend to slow down they slow. They they tend to slow down. They have to see what's going on in the other lane because they don't want to miss out on what's happening. They they just can't miss it, right? They want to know what's happening, and drama is the same way. And the new news agencies they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They try to make this news so irresistible that you just can't not look at it, can't not read it, can't not talk about it. Right. So it's you know this weird phenomenon that we're at work and we have to be part of it. We have to be part of, part of what's going on because if we're not, you know, we're going to kind of miss out on it. Yeah. Some people are, are stuck into drama easier than, than others. You yes. know, they, they hear like some chit chat and they automatically kind of go over, like listen up a little more and then listen a little more. And then they finally get engaged in it because they try to get get the full scoop, right? I'm pretty good at deflecting that. Like a lot of times when women like women talk talk drama and like when they even try to get me in, into the conversation, like, you know, how women, women talk and then they'll randomly be like, yeah, but... It's something Peter Peter would do, right, Peter? And I would be like, like, yeah, and I'd just move on because I know they're trying to suck me into something, you know? Like yep. they're, they're talking about something. And it's just like, yeah, they try to kind of get your opinion, but they don't really want your opinion. They just want you to be part of this, you know? Something like that. Have you noticed that before? It's, it's weird, man. I've right? noticed that as well. Like they include you in a, in a conversation. They say your name in a conversation just to include it to you, just so you could kind of be in there. Not necessarily for the value of what you're going to provide, but they just kind of want to see what you're going to say yeah. so they can kind of uh, refute it or are really, really interested in what you kind of want to But, but also they want to justify their point. They right. want to justify their anger, their outrage by mm-hmm. by, by doing yeah. this. It's just like, wouldn't you do the same thing, Matt? If somebody, if 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 Sarah came up to you and, and, and did this, wouldn't you react the same way? Like, you know... Like like yeah, but then they're they're looking for a yes and a no, but they also want more, you know. Yeah, it's weird. They want sometimes they want you to talk some shit too, you know, for some reason. Just you know? just add on just add on to the fire, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you can you could assess your level your unit's culture of um, drama, and when you look at culture, it's weird. It's like this weird invisible culture that's described, you know, ba- based on values. So like your unit's culture is based on values, behavior, 
behaviors and actions that mm. the whole group takes as a whole. And that kind of becomes the operating system of the unit. So if you have this culture that in our situation that doesn't, you know, do the chain of command when it's nurse to nurse, they just bounce around to the manager, that's the culture. Mm. So that this culture has been going around for some time. And and there's another instance that I know that this happened, I'll tell you after the show, where yeah, you don't talk to the nurse and nurse, you just kind of go to the manager. And this is the norm. So this culture of what we experience is something that's been going around in our hospital for a while. And that's scary because then you're nursing almost in fear. Yes. Like, because no one tells anybody about anything is going straight to management. So you almost like you got a, a target being placed on your back. Yeah. Like, like, like eventually, if, if people are getting randomly in trouble, random are getting in trouble just by the manager talking to them, like you're thinking like, when am I next? Like, and nobody knows who's doing this or why they're, why they're doing it. They just know somebody gets in trouble every so often and it comes straight from management. So, like, so like you don't know what the hell is going on. Like, you're almost fearful of saying something wrong or doing something wrong because, God forbid, that nurse sees you and, and reports you. I'm, I'm low-key kind of cleaning up my room a little bit before I end up shift, too, you know? Making sure it's messy because if that's the issue I got in trouble for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so I don't hear that night shift, day shift crap. Yeah, the jumping over the chain of command is always scary. It's almost like, like during communism where it was the... the uh, the, the Cold War, where you couldn't trust your neighbor. You know, then, then, then that decreases nursing communication because I don't want to talk to you and maybe you're the one that's stirring all this up. So I don't right. know why I'm scared to talk to you now because if I say a joke and you take it the wrong way, guess what? My ass is on a chopping block next, dude. And you know how sometimes I, I talk, like sometimes I just don't think of what I say and I say some fucking weird shit and people take it the wrong way. Next thing you know, you know, you get in trouble for it. You know? Yep. No, that's exactly what it is, dude. Yeah. So then, how are you supposed to work properly and have a good working environment if, if if everyone's like, you know, it's almost like you're shadow banning people in the workplace. Yeah. It, you don't want to talk to somebody, and then you ask for help, and then you're just kind of, and then if you don't, if you can't even talk to somebody on a personal level or like just for like a fun level, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to ask for for help with a patient, right? If if me and you never talked before, it's it's a little bit more awkward for me to ask you for for a turn help and boosting help than it is if I knew you on a more personal level. Yeah. You know? Or you're not gonna help. You're not gonna ask for help because of somebody's like political yeah. view or something. Right. Or God forbid, you know, I put this patient incorrectly in swimmer's position, and an other nurse doesn't 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 tell you you're in an incorrect position, and you and you both leave, and she tells the manager, "Hey, I helped Peter out with a with a uh, proning, and his swimmer's position was was wrong." And manager comes up, hey Peter, I heard you've been flipping people wrong. How long right, has been going on? Right, right. So, so I've been flipping people wrong this this whole time, and nobody ever told me. Same same thing with I had, I had a nurse that um she programmed the pump with just regular uh regular Levo mm-hmm. four mics or is it sixteen mics uh, an ml the concentrated one concentrated mm-hmm. instead of the sixty four mics per ml which mm-hmm. is a quad strength yeah so it was programmed wrong in the pump so I was titrating Levo wrong for like the first two hours that me too I switched it back. In the morning, I told the nurse, like, hey, by the way, you know, your levo was wrong. And we laughed about it. And, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of me going to the manager and then she getting a, you know, like a text message or email, like, hey, yeah. you got to stop titrating your levo because that, that's a that's a medical error. That's a near miss. Yeah, because Like, imagine to, how she would feel. Like, I would personally rather get corrected by another nurse than a manager. Yeah. Because then it, it, it seems like you, it's like you almost killed somebody, dude. I'd rather have a nurse nurse tell me, you know, hey, your patient was, wasn't cleaned up. Then a manager telling you, hey, uh, your patient wasn't cleaned up. Like, I feel like if it goes to the manager, it means that you haven't cleaned your patient up 20 times compared to that that, that one time that you didn't know. You know, it, it seems so much different just because they have more authority. So now, now, nursing gets, now nurses get scared and fearful of management because, hey, now the manager thinks I'm an incompetent nurse because somebody told them that I did this. 
you know, and then you feel like shit every time you meet the manager because that because the manager doesn't know you, especially on nights on a, on a very personal level because we don't really see them. Uh, and you know, often. our manager's always gonna gonna know. He's never gonna forget about the the incident. Never gonna forget. You know, and that, that's kind of what that's honestly on our shoulders, and we did a pretty good job of of rubbing it off. But he didn't think it was the the worst thing in the world. Exactly. But guess what? You still gotta remember it all the time. You know, that's already in his memory. He's not gonna right. forget that because because th- there was something he had to do. Yeah. Right. Compared to a nurse telling me, "Hey, Peter." uh Saw you were um, sleeping. You know, day shift has been short for these past couple of weeks. It's not really appropriate to to, to yes. post. I don't think it's fair. You guys are sleeping, and See, I would I would have been like, cool, man. I would have been like, I'm sorry that you took it that way. We haven't got a on, on nights. We haven't got a, a break nurse in 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 a, in a week. Right. Oh, and then she's like, Oh, really? We haven't got a break nurse in a week too. I'm like, I'm like, Yeah, it's tiring, you know. And then she, then she might be able to understand. Hey, why were you taking a nap? But no, yeah. there's no there's no conflict resolution there at all yeah no conflict resolution whatsoever and, and, and yeah and that's like my next thing that i was gonna like do is like when you're in this environment assess the coworkers that you're working with you know after a few shifts do they enjoy drama are they willing to seek multiple viewpoints in the story exactly what you just said do they just like to gossip and just react strongly to news what what kind of coworkers are they are they frequently in fight or flight do they have a lot of interpersonal conflicts? You know, those people that are talking to themselves like, hey, John, you better you better hang that bag. And they have these verbal conversations with themselves. Sometimes they don't have a great state of mind internally. And I noticed a couple people that are like that. And of course, and they have a lot of interpersonal conflicts. They're the same way on the external way, man. They like to just stir shit up with other people, you know? Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I stir shit up like... Some, yeah, because you know how sometimes I make a joke here and there, and sometimes I'm just like, dude, what the hell did I say that? You know, and then right. I just kind of keep my mouth shut if anybody adds on to it. But sort of the moment, sometimes you just you don't always think before you say things. You of know? course, I'm the same way, man. Yeah. I I say something stupid too, but, but it's, it's that continue continuous continuing. You just have to catch catch them, catch your coworkers. The what they you know are they like low key about it? You know, are are they able to like ask questions? Because that's another thing. And usually, if you have a coworker that is causing drama, the one thing to do is just to be very blunt about them. Mm. Approach them right away, you know, assess the situation. And you could ask them a couple questions, you know, like if it's if it's talking about somebody else, like how do you know these assumptions are true? You know, how can we help to improve this situation? And they don't ask that question usually, you know, how can we prevent this from happening? Okay, let's do A, Y, and Z. Let's go talk to them about this. They, they're never looking for solutions. They're just adding on to the gossip. They're adding on, they're adding fuel and there's no conflict resolution, you know? Yeah. And there's also questions like, you know, how is my own behavior contributing to this, right? If you're adding only drama to this, is the situation getting any better? So you should maybe ground yourself a little bit from your own bullshit and ground yourself to the reality with what's happening because... You're not making this environment better, nor the situation, you know? And how is this looking? So it's like helping those people become self, self-aware self so they could ask questions of how my own behavior is affecting the situation. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. That That's good conflict resolution because, you know, there's a lot of um, kings and queens of drama. Mm-hmm. And we just have to kind of remind them that venting doesn't solve any issue. And if you find yourself in like a unit that has a lot of drama, like you can't just completely ignore it because they are coworkers, they're your, they're your peers. So you're going to need to talk to them at some point or another and you don't want to be left high and dry. So 
you know, if your coworkers all love drama and they consistently live within this drama and you try to stay out of it the best you can, you still got to have, have some kind of a conversation with, with them, you know? You might not, not like them as, as a person 100% because of all the drama that, that they still, but you still should talk to them, you know? Yeah. So it's always good to try to ignore when they try to suck you into drama. Like when they ask you questions, you can just answer it straightforward, things like that. But when you start answering things straightforward, people are might not like you. If you just answer yes and no to, to questions, people are going to stop talking to you and they might not want to talk to you. Like, you know, might not view as enjoyable. So it's always good to do if you're just answering those questions, yes or no, and not want to be part of the drama. It's always good to like ask, how's your patient? Because they have patients too. And open up that kind of conversation. Deflect the conversation from, from drama to like, like, like patients. Yeah. And then, and then also like solution focused. Mm-hmm. So instead of like just being negative about it, talking about it, or you continuing to talk about John or whoever the, the, the subject is, you know, try to switch those questions and try to help them. Uh, be reflective and how we can maybe de-escalate this or prevent this from happening. Right. Yeah. You always ask like, well, what would you have done that happened to you with those kind of questions, you know? But then that also, that could be a little tricky because that's a pretty common question that people ask and they could stem it into more drama, you know? You, you do like have that. to definitely have to be careful, you know. you know? But yeah, but if you're struggling, just it's always, you're, you're in a hospital, it's always, easy thing to do is always deflect that drama into patient care. You know, just ask a like, ask a random question like, "Hey, my my patient's uh, blood pressure is 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 still low. Um, should we add add fence? Just random. Just ask like a more more concrete question because all drama is is just your subjective re- responses, all all opinionated. Yeah. So if you ask more of a of a concrete question with like a like an answer that you know is concrete, that'll kind of deflect from all that subjectiveness that you're getting, or sorry, objectiveness you're getting. You'll be Oh, so, so you'll be getting so, more so objective than subjective. So that kind of a good way to deflect from drama because drama isn't really anything factual a lot of times. It's just opinions and just uh, kind of nonsense and just kind of filling in, in, the, in the gaps to tackle a more concrete conversation. So you're telling people to just switch the sub- subject? Yeah, to a more concrete okay, one. Sure. That's less, that's less objective, more objective kind of stuff. Okay, so you're kind of getting away from the story itself. Yes, exactly. Okay. But in like a like a quieter, quieting manner and not just shutting off the conversation because, okay. because you know, if they bring you into it, you know, sometimes you, you do get in there deep, but you can't always say yes or no. Or if you do say yes or no, yes or no doesn't breed a good a good um good environment. Because if I'm trying to get to know you and all you're saying is, is yes or no, then I'm not gonna get to know yeah. you very well and I'm not gonna wanna talk to you, right? But you're working a unit with nurses, so you have to kind of learn to live in this drama sometimes. And the best way to live in this drama and not be seen as a negative person or or this person that just they don't like, you have to be able to intertwine in these in these conversations, you know. And the best way to do that, if you don't want to talk about the drama, is to kind of steer the conversation into a more concrete, more objective approach to things. I like that. You know, that way, you know, because opinions, I could be wrong, you could be wrong, I could be right, you could be right. And it, it just depends on what you're thinking at the whoever, point. Whoever has Whoever, the strongest truth in a way. Exactly. But these objective things, you know, it's right for me and you. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's one way to deal with it. That I've learned uh, to be valuable. I think we should wrap this one up. Yeah, that was long. Long two-part series for you guys. Yeah. And then, like, ultimately, like, the last thing that I've written here is, like, you know, it's going to take, like, leadership to change everything, Right. It's going to change. It's going to take leadership to change, like, the behavior to help you, people become aware of, like, what's going on with them and how to change everything. Yeah. But, you know, the best leadership is definitely a key portion, but it has to start somewhere. So let's start with you. 
want to just use, try being a better person, and that's going to eventually rub off to other people. That's, the best, that's probably the best. If management's not taking care of it, and management can't always take care of it. How many times has management tried to instill something where the nurses just didn't want to do and guess what? It wasn't done. Yeah. So so be the change you want to see. It's hard. It's Mahama really hard. Gandhi right there, bro. Yeah. Be the change you, you want to see and be the change you want to instill on people because it might not rub off on Betty, Susie, and Sarah, but guess what? It might rub off on a new grad. And then guess what? Betty gets a new job. And there's no, no more Betty. Now there's just you and a new grad and you and a new grad are stemming this new work environment. And now Sarah's gone. And now Melissa comes in and you're talking to Melissa and you know, then you get rid of these negative people slowly because they move on or, or they're going to be forced to change. Yes. Because guess what? If there's just Sarah and, and Becky and Katie left, now Sarah has nobody to gossip to and Melissa's not, not having that shit. Peter's not having that shit. And Nuga doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. You know, that, that negative environment's going to be gone. Agreed, man. And, that, and, that, and that's how you change things. And that's how you create that new culture of organization that's not going to be so negative and drama-based. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have an amazing day. Hope you enjoyed this. Check out our Patreon. Donate to our cause. Buy some merch. Peace. Episode 100.